This is Off the Fence and Finding Your Voice podcast. I am a boy mom. I am hard-headed. I am emotional. I am loving. And I will fight for you. I am very passionate about so much about self-advocacy and truly, truly living your best authentic life. So the past three years, I've been on my own personal health journey and it has forced me to learn so much that I truly wasn't even ready to learn or unlearn, I should say. And so this podcast is really me going through the journey of doing those things, learning and unlearning, and getting off the fence about topics that I never even imagined I would get off the fence about, and truly tapping into my voice. So I say finding my voice, but my voice was never lost. I just wasn't tapped into it. So tune in here every Monday and get your cup filled. And I just want to encourage you to not necessarily think like me, but to be your own self-advocate and get off the fence about crap that's going on in your life, raise your voice, and take back your life. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Let's get started. Today's episode was recorded via social distancing, so me and my friend go back and forth, and the audio does cut out a little bit. Please do not turn off the podcast. The conversation gets good. You might just have to fast forward a little bit through the glitches, but it is a great conversation, and I just want to encourage you to stay tuned even through the glitches, and I'm so sorry about that, and I will make sure and troubleshoot that that does not happen again. Okay, so I have got to let you guys know if you are in the market for sunglasses or even a new pair of readers, you've got to go check out TonyBillsEyewear.com. You can sign up for the email list and you can get 10% off your very first purchase. The sunglasses was inspired by an Italian classic design found in vintage eyeglass shops in northern Italy. Each pair is handmade one pair at a time. Like, who does that? So many places um, use factories, and this is handmade, so you know that it is made with great detail using Italian frames. Five barrel stainless hinges and premium lightweight 100% UV protection polarized lenses. And you guys have got to check it out. So let me know if you go to the site and buy a pair. Um, I would love to know. I'm so super pumped today because I have my super special sweet friend, Alden, who actually we used to be roommates in college. So we have absolutely watched each other grow through different seasons of life. And she is just a bright light. She lights up any room she walks into and has such an amazing soul. So I'm excited to bring her on today's episode. And honestly, the reason why, there's so many reasons I would want Alden on my podcast, but today the reason that I've asked her to be on my podcast is because she is a 
white woman in Mississippi who is married to a big black man. And there's just so much racial tension going on in today's world. And um, I'm pretty sure she has faced a lot of obstacles with this since being with her husband. And yeah, so I just want to have like an authentic, organic conversation. We're not here to be politically correct. We're not here to um, debate. We're really just here to open up a different perspective and just have a conversation about some current events that are going on. Sound good, Alden? Yeah, it's like a plan, girl. <laughs> yeah, so you and your now husband have been together for quite a while. When, how old were you, Alden, whenever you realized that, like, racism is still, like, a thing? It's not something that, like, we, re- we read in our history books that, you know, it was abolished and all these civil rights acts happened, but let's get real. Like, there's some things that happen daily. Like, how old were you when you realized that history books kind of lied? Um, I know that, so, okay, so when I lived in, uh, Arlington, Texas, um, until, like, the very end of sixth grade, um, and then we moved from Arlington, Texas to Winona, <laughs> to Winona, Mississippi, um, so the end of sixth grade, so I was probably, like, what, like, 11, 12 uh, years old at that point, and, um, and I remember, um, at that time, my, well, one of my uncles, uh, who lived in Winona, he had come over to our, our house that we had just moved into in Winona, and he had, uh, somehow or another, a conversation had come up about, like, messing, like, just, teasing about, like, boyfriends and stuff like that. Like, you know how, like, uncles do or, you know, family members do. They try to tease you about boyfriends and stuff whenever you're you're younger and stuff. And um, one of my cousins was actually over, and she had said that um, that there was a boy that liked me named Willie. And, which actually, a guy named Willie and I were friends in, like, elementary school. Uh, Texas, and I didn't like him, and he really didn't like me, but she was just playing around, and my uncle, I guess, heard the name Willie, and automatically assumed that the boy um, was black. Wow, I'm over here thinking about Willie Nelson, like, hippie white guy, he's thinking black man, wow. Isn't that crazy? Like, he just assumed, I guess, that the, that the guy uh, was a black boy. And, um, which I mean, he was, um, but like at that time, like I wasn't like, like he was a friend and like I, I was a tomboy, um, growing up playing soccer and stuff like that. So he was somebody that like played soccer with me at like recess and stuff, like along with a bunch of other boys and stuff that played soccer too. So it wasn't like anything like that, but he assumed that Willie was a black boy and he told me that, um... I better not be having any type of relations with any of the, um, N-words. You know, he didn't, like... He didn't beat around the bush about how he felt about that. No, no, no. And a lot of my family, um, that's from that area, um, they don't, you know, really even use the term black people. They just refer to black people as N-words. 
months. Mm. Depressing. And that was in 2006. Wow. Yeah, not a long time ago. And probably a lot of people in these areas still use verbiage like that and still have mindsets like that. Um, like your old uncle about that little boy, Willie. Um, so you realized early middle school that this was not going to be socially accepted by your family. And, um, as you would have it, you just would go out and marry, um, someone (laughs) that they didn't deem, um, ethically correct, which is just absolutely maddening. So, so at this age, were you, did, like, middle school is young, but did you, like, have boyfriends of other races or colors? Like, what did they have to say about that? Um, so, there was one, there was one other boy that I, um, there was, well, my first boyfriend, my first boyfriend, um, was um, a white boy that uh, we were in junior high together, and we, we like, dated for, like, I don't know, like, three months or something, like, nothing, you know, just junior high, little crush or whatever, and um, I remember, you know, we were over at my um, grandparents' house, and and a lot of my family members were there, like that same uncle and some aunts and other uncles and stuff like that. Just, you know, like a normal, like family gathering. And I remember them, me, if I had like a boyfriend or anything like that. And I told them I did. And I said the name of who my boyfriend was. Um, and they knew who he was. Um, well, they knew like his family. They didn't really know him. They knew of his family. And they knew that his family was white. And they didn't have, like, any concerns or anything like that. They didn't show any signs of, like, like not approving. Right. Um, in any way, shape, or form. Um, so, but and I do want to clarify that. So, whenever I did move to Winona... It was a big culture shock from Mansfield, Texas, um, or Arlington, Texas, um, because in Arlington, there is so much diversity. It's not like a majority white or majority black. Or right. There's like a lot of Hispanics there, and it's very right. very, very Um, And my classroom was not like half and half white and black. It was like there was everybody. Um, I mean, literally, it was just tons of every type of race that you think of. And so, and my mom and my parent and my dad, they raised all of us in Texas with the belief system of everyone is equal. The Lord loves us all. Um, and none of this like racism stuff like that. Growing up in, in Texas, we didn't even think about stuff like that. Like when I was on a soccer team, that was a tournament team. I used to stay and go with a black family that was one of my teammates and I love them and I and my parents trusted them and they were just regular people like they are right right and they still had the same moral views and everything as like my parents 
so they knew that they could trust right. me to know what that's crazy. Alden, did you know that in Mississippi, Charleston, Mississippi to be exact, up until 2007 they had segregated proms? No. Yeah, um, what's his name? Craig, not Craig Morgan. That's a country singer. Morgan <laughs> Freeman. You know Morgan Freeman's from that area? Okay, he did a documentary. I can't remember what it was published on, but I remember watching it in high school. And he documents, like, the Charleston High School. And they literally had segregated proms, a white prom and a black prom, all the way up until 2007. Is that not wild? Well, that, first of all, that doesn't surprise me, and that's, like, really sad to say, because for a long time, well, Winona still does. Um, what? Recently. But they, they don't have a segregated prom. What they have is, during homecoming, um, they pick white maids and black maids. Um, they don't, like, it's not like a, it's, it's not like whoever is um voted for and chosen like the the top person that is they choose they they choose a certain amount of black maids and a certain amount of white maids um i guess to try to to try to like make things somewhat equal but i mean even like in sixth grade they have something called like a sixth grade party that's like a tradition where like parents host a party and the black kids are allowed Wow. And that is the racism that so still exists today. And I've seen on my newsfeed so much that this isn't like race isn't racism isn't really an issue. And like I'm I'm not really sure how I feel about the whole police brutality thing, but I know that I can stand up and say that there still is a racism issue and like everything that we're talking about right now is blatantly apparent it's really sad not I, I feel like we really live in the thick of it here in mississippi unfortunately i totally agree i i totally agree with that with that statement because it's it's very much um like especially like in the the like using winona for example um not like okay so I have a lot of family members that are in places of or positions of power, I guess you would say, in the town of Winona, um, or have been for a number number of years, and they um, they they were really good at being um, like secretly racist in a way, like from a public standpoint, and I think that that's like what um, a lot of that is in Mississippi um, is kind of a lot of like closet racist in a way where you know they'll they'll talk about um, you know not liking or you know degrading people of color um, or even vice versa because I've been in a situation where there's racism where there's um, a, um, you know black families not like the idea of, of having relations with white families, but it's kind of for a completely different reason. Um, right. Then, then like, uh, you know, 
a, a lot of white people's version or reasons for not wanting their kids or whoever to associate black people. Yeah, and then you always hear the stupid statement like, well, my co-worker's black, I'm not racist, or my, my best friend's black, I'm not racist. I don't know that always, like, there's always some type of, like, underlying that sounds like a racism remark because you don't say that about like, well, I have a blonde friend or I have a redheaded friend, you know, like you, like we don't talk like that. So even just saying statements like that has some, like it just speaks so much about the heart to me. It does anyways. Um, so I wanted to, um, spoiler alert for anybody, um, she was dating her husband since she, who's now her husband, since she was um, on and off, since she was 14 years old. And they are now together and have a beautiful family. And so I wanted to hear your perspective, Alden, about different obstacles that you have found or even just like incidences raising a biracial daughter a black daughter like what has that been like to you and also is it okay to say black like do you think it's okay to say black uh i'll I'll first like tackle like the black question um so whenever like say like my husband and i um who is black um whenever we have conversations about that kind of stuff like he does if whether you call him black or african-american like he doesn't see either one is bad because he doesn't think that his that him being black or considered Af- African American is derogatory in any way. So, right. um, I think that's how um, at least a lot of like his family members and stuff like that that are black um, you know, they, they don't care either way whether you say black or African American. Now some of them will say look, I'm not from Africa. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Okay, thanks for clearing that up. Um, I think that I have, I've asked a few of my other black friends, and they have pretty much said the exact same thing as that. Um, But I did want to just bring a little bit of that into this episode, that perspective, if you will. So um, back to the question about... If racism has affected, um, like, different obstacles with having a biracial family and your daughters, um, do you have, like, any stories or anything like that? Um, yeah, um, I will say that probably the best decision that Sam and I could have made, um, was moving to the northern Mississippi area because, 
Um, we haven't dealt with near as much as we did in the Winona area, um, like the Delta and all that kind of stuff. Um, no, not saying that racism's not here in North Mississippi, because it is, because there are instances that have happened. It's just not anywhere near as, as it's like deep rooted. It's like very old. In my experience, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in the Delta of Mississippi, it's very like old school, old rooted. And a lot of times the younger generation always moves out. Um, and the ones that stay put literally think exactly the way they're, they're brought up. And so, um, being closer to a bigger city like Memphis, there is more diversity and millennials move here. Open-minded people move here. People who think that people are people move here. <laughs> Those types of things. So I feel like that's another reason that more people our age are attracted to this area rather than staying in their old hometowns. Yeah, I, th I think that you, you hit the nail like right on the head on that. For sure, because it has been um, that a majority of people that do stay in that in that area, in particular, are people that um, are are close-minded. Yeah, that's sad. Sure. So, with your daughters, <laughs> I don't think we um, in here in northern Mississippi. It hasn't really been a problem, is what you're saying. It, um, it hasn't been near as much of an issue. I will say, like, something did happen up this way, though. Um, this past fall, um, we were, Sam and I have really been thinking about where we're wanting Ruby to go to school, um, elementary school, because she's, right now, she's still a toddler, or she's a three-year-old, and, um, Right now she goes to a PDO program that we absolutely love and we love all those people there. Um, but we're thinking about elementary school and where would be a great place for, for her to go. And, um, you know, we, of um, and of course we, we are thinking about like the North Mississippi area, um, cause of, you know, great schools and stuff like that. Um, but we also had private schools as an option too, like Christian private schools is something that we, um, had thought about because I would love, um, I, I love the idea of the thought of, you know, maybe possibly, you know, being able to have like scripture and Bible lessons and stuff like that every day outside of, you know, church and what she learns from our house, um, as well. So we were thinking about that, like a Christian private school. So we went and visited a Christian private school, um, that has like the Bible studies and all that kind of stuff every day. And we, we went and visited a football game um, to just kind of see what the atmosphere was because it would I would be able to tell pretty easily um, how that kind of culture would be. And we went and visited, and I remember that um, as soon as we walked up in the parking lot, um, it was basically all white faces, um, which is not, a, a, you know, I'm not saying that's a bad thing or anything like that, but... Um, Usually, from past experiences, usually when when I walk in with either Sam or my children or, or all of you know the whole family in an, in a majority white um, or all white 
and people just staring, which I've never had people like just stare at me and Zach. Like that just doesn't happen. Well, and that's something that it does happen with Sam and I, but it had not happened while we were in North Mississippi until this happened. Wow. Um, and so we walked up, and it was well. I walked up with my my daughter. It was just me and my daughter, who are who's biracial, and um, and I did walk up with with some church friends um, that are a white family. And, and the super sweet people uh, loved them to death, and um, they invited us because they were thinking, like, you know, that wouldn't matter. Um, but whenever we got there, it was very apparent that a lot of the, especially the older, like, grandparents and stuff like that that were there, they were very uncomfortable with me and, and her um, being there. Uh, know just looks of like disgust and stuff like that um you know me whenever I was giving my money to get the ticket like they didn't even want to like touch my hand what that's crazy and like it, it was just really like evident and this is before all this coronavirus stuff happened so you can't yeah, say yeah, yeah. It because of that it was none of that um it was like they just looked like they just I, I immediately felt like I was being looked down upon um but because of past experiences, I've learned to just kind of trudge through. Like, it does, like or not trudge through, but, you know, walk with my head held high. It, you know, I'm, I'm aware of it, but I, I try my best not to let it affect me. Um, especially if, you know, I'm a parent to, um, you know, my children. And, you know, I've got to be that example for them. But we walk in, and then we, we sit down, and... Um, my daughter, we've been there a few minutes, and my daughter reaches out, and there's some people walking by in the stands. I mean, you know how it is in football stands, um, where there's some folks walking by trying to find their seat. But we're seated on the very first, we're seated on the very first row, and my daughter uh, reaches out her hand to hold another little girl's hand uh, that was walking by that they were like looking at each other and stuff, and and the mom pushes her little girl's hand away from my little girl. I guess she just didn't want her to touch her hand. And at that point, I knew um, if we were going to get those kind of reactions um, within like the first 15 minutes of being in a football game, then that wasn't going to be a place for for us. Um, Because ultimately, I don't want I don't want my child to go to a school where they they may not say anything because they know they could get in trouble, that'd be bad publicity and stuff, but in their hearts they really have disgust towards her. And then there would probably still be little instances just like that, like touching the hand that would happen, and Ruby would possibly grow up thinking that that's normal and it's okay. I don't know, like suppressing herself almost. So I don't know. I'm so sorry that that has happened to you. Um, I know that there's like so many different instances, especially with your husband. Um, And it's just really sad that this goes on um, daily. But I would like to call it for what it is. And it's demonic. 
and it is the devil working and it like we need to work actively as Christians like to call out other Christians or people who are calling themselves Christians but then speaking with such hate and treating people like they're different when they're no different um it's just a really really heartbreaking thing um, and I just hate it so much so is there something that you think um, that people that are predominantly white or um, people who are just racist, that they um, that are trying to change their ways, that are actively trying to have a better perspective and love people more, what is something that they could be doing in their home to love you and your family better and not like view you any differently, like to be truly anti-racism? relationships in the Bible um, there are plenty of instances where Jesus gave examples and was an example of loving people that were different or loving people um, despite their differences or culture or whatever it may be um, because the love of God knows no no bounds um, and if we're calling ourselves Christians then we have to um, pursue that we have to pursue being like Christ and like Christ means love without bounds mm. um, so that's, that's the, the very main thing I would say but the second thing I would say is spending making a deliberate and consistent um, I don't want to say attempt but um, because attempt, you know, you can just attempt and say, oh, it didn't work out. <laughs> I'm going to quit now. But just consistently and actively trying to um, make relationships and pursue relationships with people that are different than you. 
because um, a lot of times it's like this, like almost like a, it's a scary thing for people too. Like there's, you know, I've had people, um, I've been in the car with people that we would, there's a gas station, like I'll use, I mean, I won't use names or anything like that, but like white women that, you know, I would pull over at a gas station, um, they would be in the car with me and I'd pull out a gas station, there'd be, you know, black people outside and they'd say, oh, don't, don't stop here. Don't stop here. Um, go to a different one. And I'm like, why? And they're like, aren't you scared? And I'm like, no. Scared of what? Exactly. And I'm like, why would I be scared? And they're like, well, you know, and I'm like, no, like watch, watch. So I'll, so I'd get out the car and I'd say, hey, how are y'all doing to, you know, whoever. And they just say, hey, how are you? We're doing good. I'd go in, do whatever I need to do at the convenience store, walk out. They'd say, have a nice day. Like, but it was just because they looked differently. They didn't, they, they didn't, they didn't have the same skin color and they didn't dress the same. Yeah. Their cars, their cars looked a little bit different for some, in some instances or whatever, meaning, you know, just, you know, different folks like different different things but like just going ahead and assuming oh the these people are bad this is a place that we can't stop this is and saying like this is the ghetto it, it was a perfectly nice convenience store it was fine <laughs> I love like, you all <laughs> I mean it just but like stuff like that happens a lot but that just shows like it, it they don't they're not people are not spending enough time and efforts loving other people that are different from them. Yeah. And if they did, they would realize so fast that we really are just, we're so much more alike than we are different. Absolutely. And so, and there's so many absolutely outstanding black people, just as much as there's so many outstanding white people and Mexican people and, you know, or, you know, Hispanic, whatever, um, Latin American, Asian, you know, all kinds of different people that are absolutely outstanding people. It's their hearts, not their skin that reveals their character and who they are. But a lot of times people see that they see that skin color or the way that person looks or dresses as this boundary that, is like, no, I, I can't associate with them. And even, even, um, financially people will use that as a boundary. They will say, oh, I can associate with, um, or they're more comfortable associating with maybe say a, a white person is more comfortable with associating with a black person that they deem as successful financially, um, or just successful in, you know, different ways versus, um, someone that is, just the same outstanding type of person, but, you know, may not be as blessed, um, or as fortunate as another person. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, people discriminate in that sense as well. Yeah. It is just getting to other people would be and spending time inviting them over, you know, letting your kids play together, just stuff like that going. And honestly, Jessica, this may be a, If churches, say like predominantly black church and a predominantly white church, if we would do, like intentionally do 
gatherings and things like that together, like events where we socialize together and get to know each other in that setting, I think it would be a game changer. That would be a powerhouse. Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely think that, I mean, I truly believe that. I do too. But the odds of that happening today, like, it's going to take a radical revival. It's going to take a lot of us saying some really big, bold prayers and leaders in the church getting uncomfortable um, because there are just so many people stuck in their ways and there's so much pride. And it's okay to be prideful of your culture and it's okay to be, like, you know, proud of your church, but it's also okay to do things differently. So... That's gonna it's gonna be a, have to be a big step, I th- in my opinion, for those churches to emerge and come together and unite. I hundred percent agree because, like what you said, there's a lot of people that are very stuck in their ways, and um, it can be really hard for a pastor or um, you know your board of deacons or whatever you want to call it um, to go, I guess, in the opposite direction of what um, a lot of your maybe not necessarily a majority of your church, but a lot of the people that are giving their tithes, um, if they think and feel and voice their opinions of, hey, I'm not going to give any more money, if, um, if, if you try to go in this certain direction, um, that puts a lot of pressures on pastors, and it's mm-hmm. really, a t- it, it can be a huge test of their faith. Yes. In a lot of ways. Any pastors listening to this, we're calling you out. let's change it up let's do something different all right Alden um we've been on here for about 35 minutes I think we should wrap it up but I'd love to have you back for another time we can talk about anything (laughs) um but I so appreciate and honor and just love your voice and just thank you so much for being on this platform if somebody wanted to DM you, follow you, message you, reach out to you for anything. Maybe they're in an interracial relationship or maybe they just enjoyed hearing your perspective and want to reach out to you. How could they do that? Um, Well, they can reach me on um, Facebook or uh, Instagram. Um, um, uh, Yeah, so you can say your Instagram handle name. Okay, that would be Alden Temple Small. Okay. No underscores or anything like that? No underscores. It's just Alden Temple Small altogether. And then my Facebook um, profile is under Alden Small. Perfect. All right, guys, if you stay tuned for this entire message, we just thank you so much, and we hope that you um, enjoyed this podcast and that you will take radical steps to end racism and to do your part in loving people everywhere. Thanks so much.